Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic adventure to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way, Sequel Quest is go for launch. So let the adventure begin now. Oh, we're totally going to tweak your melon with some fresh ideas on the Sequel Quest quest podcast bro so grab a nasty nug and cop a drop on the sofa while you wheeze some cheers buddy i'm one of your hosts adam aka the weasel oh! over here we got a buff bro mop on top who knows how to munch on some grindage it's jeff say hi to the people jeff hello uh oh <laughs> And working the dials with his own style, we have a crusty caveman who loves to put the pedal to the middle on Radmobile. It's Jeremy. Yo, buddy. <laughs> uh, we have fun. <laughs> well, folks, if you haven't figured this out, we are talking Encino Man, the 1992 somewhat classic. Starring Sean Astin, Brendan Fraser, Polly Shore, Megan Ward. Anybody else you want to mention? Michael DeLuise, son Del of Don DeLuise. Of course. Oh, right. yes. Brother of Peter and Michael. Yes, so many DeLuises in the world. It's true. Let's go to the synopsis because <laughs> if you haven't watched this movie, it's pretty basic. So, Stoney and Dave are digging out a pool and they find a caveman trapped in ice, who they name Link. They thaw him out and they show him around town. Although Link is slow to catch on to basic concepts of the 20th century life, he has no trouble impressing all the girls and helping Stoney and Dave find the coolness they've been searching for. Oh boy, it's been a while since I've watched this. I dropped four bucks on it. You had the funded, so you did it. But the leap in logic in this film that is so strange to me, because, you know, you, you said it there, it's very basic, but the idea that they think, hey, we have a new friend, so now we're cool. Like, this guy doesn't speak English, and we're introducing him as a foreign exchange student. Now you like us, right? That's such an odd motivation for them to well, have. Hold on. I mean, is, is it really just a leap in logic, or is it more... It's high school kids doing dumb things. How dumb Which were you I think in high this school? was aimed at. <laughs> well, not this dumb. Exactly. I did form a group of people that painted their faces and went to football games for the main reason of getting me elected prom king. And I failed <laughs> miserably. If I would have found a caveman, I might have used him to try and win a girl and make me prom king. But here we are with Encino Man. It's 92. You think about the kind of movies that were coming out around this time. You know, we already had Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey around this time. We had Wayne's World. And then we had this. <laughs> Polly Shore's character's name is Stony. It's not a stoner comedy necessarily. There's no drug use in this. They're just kind of offbeat loser types. Well, and it's just Polly Shore being Polly Shore. That was his one character. Like, we could get this started and say, son-in-law is unofficially Encino Man 2. Like, they went off to college. Yeah, because you're right. Polly Shore, I mean, if, you know, for those who don't know, the younger listeners who might be tuning in here, he was an MTV VJ, had a little segment, and he would do Totally Polly, and it was just him riffing with people, and he would talk like, I'm the weasel, bro. What's up? 
oh, let me touch your lobes. What's going on? You know, so he would like, he would just be this weird guy in these crazy clothes. And then he started kind of making his way into movies, but he had a lot of connections in Hollywood because his mom ran the comedy store in Hollywood and then his dad was the stand-up comedian as well. So, I mean, he was in with like all like the top comedians, you know, Richard Pryor and Sam Kinison and all these different people of the 80s that really came up. And then when he started making his way, like Jeremy said, he kind of had his weasel character, his dude speak that he threw in there. And that was what got the attention of these people. The funny thing is for this movie, Polly Shore was auditioning to play Link. And they just said, yeah, I, he's not right for that because they found Brendan Fraser after passing up Jim Carrey and Nicolas Cage. And they went with Brendan <laughs> Fraser. But Polly, they liked him so much, they wrote him into the script. So wow. they just argue, well, we'll just, we'll just create the, you know, this Polly character, the stony guy, and we'll put him in there and just let him be him. This was obviously his breakout movie. Jeff, did you have a, a point of reference for Polly Shore at all? You know, I was a, a child of the 90s, so he was everywhere. And those movies were so ridiculously bad, but it was still Polly Shore and you still went. You might hate to admit it, but we all love biodome and we all love son-in-law and there's just a certain level of remember the 90s sort of a feel yeah he was definitely of the moment like jeremy said though what's so interesting about Polly shore is in his oeuvre you know his his collection of films which was just a handful i mean because you had encino man then you had son-in-law then you had in the army now and you had biodome you had jury duty, jury duty. you had all these movies but the first three, so Encino Man, you know, here he, he's with Brendan Fraser's link in Son-in-Law. Now he's in college, changed his name to Crawl, but he's still Polly Shore. And then Brendan Fraser actually shows up at a Halloween party scene and right. just walks through as Link bites the head off a frog and walks away. And then in the Army Now, his third film, Link also shows up as a soldier. Like literally he has Link on his uniform and he just comes up real quick and he's like, guys, don't eat the chicken. It tastes <laughs> like frog. And then he walks away, you know? So like, and, and in that movie, you know, he's just changed his name again. So it's just kind of funny, like really like a guy just reinventing himself, high school to college to life after college, you know? So right. totally like those first three are the Polly Shore verse for sure. Right. I'm not sure there's that much thought put into it because Polly Shore was always this character. That's who they wanted to see on screen. They didn't want, okay, Polly, can you give us a more serious character? No, no. He was going to play this same character in everything that he did. No matter what, yeah, the name or the scenario was. I'll just mention, you guys missed out on an opportunity here because about talk about Son-in-Law. I think that's pretty much universally agreed that's his best movie that actually has mud wrestling in it. You guys, you guys missed it. The, the retro reason that scene is actually cool is that the mud wrestlers in that are actually from the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. So you have Hollywood and oh, Lightning really? and Mount Fiji. Yeah. So like, they, they, and I, it's pretty cool. I was like, oh, I know them. And then there actually is a Glow series Netflix now. So it's just kind of interesting oh. that, you know, it's in the zeitgeist now. But the other thing I wanted to mention too is you said, Jeff, you know, everybody loved the Polly Shore movies. We went to see them. That's true. But what's so strange is unlike the other movies I mentioned, like Wayne's World and Bill and Ted's and all that, nobody quoted 
Polly Shore. Nobody wanted to be Polly Shore. It was not cool. <laughs> to, you know, no, it was like, not. did you ever know anybody? Yeah, that that ever tried to like impress you with a Polly Shore impression? You never yeah. heard it. Beavis and Butthead, yes. Polly Shore, no. But he was there of the yeah. moment, and then, like you said, became the butt of the joke, where he was constantly any reference to terrible filmmaking. So I really want to go into that because it's sitting at sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Here are just a few handpicked reviews. Variety, the low-budget quickie is insulting even within its own no-effort parameters. Time Out, they reviewed it as depressingly witless. (laughs) Rolling Stone, God help us all. (laughs) The New York Times, the real question is whether Dave and Stoney and Link are worthy heirs to Bill and Ted or Wayne and Garth. Not really. But reviewers hate these kind of movies. And so it's just like, not whether this is a good movie or a bad movie, reviewers were going to hate it. I mean, they've always hated goofball slapstick comedy. There's tons of negative reviews about Ace Ventura and, you know, all that sort of stuff like that. So that's one part. But then the other part is, like you guys started off by saying, this is definitely the era of Wayne's World. This is the era of Schwing and of like all of that sort of stuff like that. This is what you get. Yeah, watching it now, Polly Shore, it's just kind of like, what is this guy doing and this voice? And and I know one of the reviews that I read was like, you will only enjoy it as much as you can stand Polly Shore. And that's true. <laughs> the thing I realized is that whole thing I was telling you about adding Polly Shore to the movie, it means that Sean Astin's character, Dave, he's technically the main character in this film. But can you imagine <laughs> watching this movie without Polly Shore and having to right. be there with boring, mopey <laughs> Dave this whole time? Oh, man, you'd just be sitting there like, okay, when's Link coming back on? You know, all that's you'd true. want would be Link moments, but even he's well, yeah, and that's, limited. That's the point. And it's the interesting thing, too, when you look at later, like we started talking about later Polly Shore movies, is that later on, he was the main character. He was the star. Yeah. And so in this one, he's the comedy. And so you've got Sean Astin to play the straight man, and then, you know, both Link and Polly Shore being the comic. And it's funny, because, yeah, like you said, if you think about it, if you take Polly Shore out, which I guess is, I'm sure we're going to talk about the sequel and seen a woman, that's basically what yes. you get there. You basically just get like a Nickelodeon made-for-TV movie because that's what it would feel like. It's just kind of like, oh, that crazy caveman, what's he up to now? But Pauly Shore, for good or for bad, does transform it into a different kind of a movie because of his, yeah. His well, and it's crazy because it's Pauly Shore and Brendan Fraser on the poster. Sean Astin is nowhere to be found. It's really? not even as though they were trying so to present them as a duo. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're totally out of the picture. It's like, okay, we'll do this dumb love story of this guy, what? his junior high girlfriend back or whatever the girl he took a bath with we took a bath together if that's that not creepy so wrong. i hold on yeah, to that was oh, <laughs> but at the same time at the same time i gotta say 18 was a little bit old for that but like a 16 year old high schooler without a whole lot of popularity or friends i kind of see that like well we were <laughs> friends look i've got photos of us you don't do that dude I mean, Adam knows I did some ridiculously dumb things around the ladies. Epic. (laughs) Just because it sounded like a good idea in my brain. Oh, the stories we could tell. That's a whole separate podcast. The romantic quests of Jeff. Now, the other thing I wanted to say with the friends, you know, you talk about friends in this movie. Well, there is a little mini Goonies reunion as Jonathan Kwan, who played Data in the Goonies with Sean Astin, shows up as this 
guy from the computer club just out of nowhere runs up to Link. We have decided that we would like you to join computer club. You know, you're just like, okay. And then he shows up at the very end for no reason at the big prom scene, which is my son's favorite. My wife doesn't like, she won't let us watch Wayne's World. We can't watch any of like the classic comedies of the 90s, but she felt like this one was stupid enough that our kids wouldn't get anything bad out of it. <laughs> so four-year-old, two-year-old watching this movie. And at the end, when Matt, the bully played by Michael Delories, comes, he says, he's a caveman. Like that's, he's revealing him to be a caveman. Thinks everybody's going to hate him, not think that he's crazy. But anyway, he's like uh, revealing that on stage. And then everybody's trying to stop him. And he's like, shush. And my son, just for days, walked around after that, shush. That was his favorite character in the whole movie. <laughs> but then you have, it breaks out into a dance scene. And so like there's a <laughs> about a monkey or whatever. And then everybody's doing what I guess is the Encino Man dance. It's like they're taking a page out of Teen Wolf when they're trying to do the Teen Wolf dance. And that didn't catch on either. So I don't know what's with the teen comedies thinking they're going to start a dance craze. Did that work for anybody? It didn't work for Urkel on TV. They tried to do the Urkel dance. Do you guys have any idea where that was successful? Uh, Footloose? Yeah, but there's not a signature uh, but... move. or Like, there's, there's, I, I'm sure it's all based on Thriller, because everybody wanted to learn Thriller, you know, after that, that video came out. I don't know. It's, it's off. The other thing I just wanted to mention about this. So the director is the guy named Les Mayfield. He directed Flubber with Robin Williams, Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence, and the Miracle on 34th Street remake. But he was very involved in a lot of Disney stuff. And like Jeff had alluded to and mentioned, four years after this film, he produced a sequel, which was really a reboot TV movie called Encino Woman. And it's a reimagining of the concept because it has a character named Dave who works at some advertising agency and discovers a recently thought out cave woman. And then he gets her work as a supermodel for a cosmetics company. It's very hard to find find online you can find a few clips on youtube where they go to like some strange house in la and there's a lot of odd characters at this party and the encino woman is just pigging out on chocolate you know because everybody's so health conscious and then they're like yeah that's the new trend pig it out you know that everybody it's it's really weird uh encino woman alternate title california woman because uh, internationally encino man was called california man because nobody knows where encino is or what Encino you know, means. Which, let me throw in one, especially for those, I mean, obviously, Adam, you lived in California for a long time, but this is this movie, going back to Encino Man itself, is one of those quintessential people not from California not understanding what earthquakes are. Because apparently earthquakes are the entire ground is shaking and like <laughs> I think his icy cup gets thrown up in the air at one point. And yeah. like I've lived here my entire life and I have never had one earthquake <laughs> that was that severe. Even if they did, that's not what they're like, man. I mean Yeah, I, I've I slept like... through most of the earthquakes in my life. I missed <laughs> half of them. So if that gives you any idea of how earthquakes really work in California. <laughs> but a section of the film that you guys felt like did work whether it was like a gag or you know a character or part of the storyline hmm, that's difficult 
Right. It's tough because it's supposed to be, again, it's like a Rob Schneider movie where it's supposed to be dumb. It's dumb comedy. And so it's hard to say like, well, they did dumb comedy well right here. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, I I would say like as effective as what they were trying to do, like even the makeover scene at the beginning where they're making him over, it wasn't brilliant, but it wasn't supposed to be brilliant. It was obvious, but it was effective. They did what they were supposed to do and it kept me engaged and I didn't moan and groan even when they started dumping all of those chemicals into his bath and brushing his teeth with an electric toothbrush and everything. Like, I felt like that whole process, I'm like, that did what it was supposed to do. And again, I feel like for dumb comedy, it succeeds a lot at being dumb, I guess. Well, I, I think it's because it has heart, right? Like, it is a sweet movie overall. Like, it's not too, you know, harsh. It's not too, I was thinking of Polly Short Term, it's not too grody, bro. You know? <laughs> now, obviously, the most famous scene in the film is the wheeze in the juice scene, right? When they go to the convenience store and Stoney's teaching Link about the four food groups, you know? So he's got right, sweet tarts true. for the fruit group, you know? You get milk duds for dinner dairy microwave burrito for the meat group and all that and then of course you know then they go to the icy machine and, and they just start pour the, the icy right in their mouth and then you got the stereotypical store owners no no isn't it just it, i think it's got to be what endeared people to the film if there was a catchphrase from the movie it's wheezing the juice none of us were ever bold enough to actually go into a 7-eleven and do that but we all thought about <laughs> it like that was the thing Polly Shore lived our dreams for us. Yes, thank you. Lived vicariously (laughs) through Polly Shore. But I feel like I actually enjoy the opening with Brendan Fraser. I just love all his physical comedy and reactions to the modern world. So like when he, you know, walks through the living room, turns on TV, sees a music video, he's kind of dancing along. I thought all of that was pretty clever. I don't know if clever is the right word, but it did make... (laughs) It was effective. Yeah, it was definitely effective. It's a sad thing, and, and my pitch doesn't really bear this out when we get there but is that i've always had a lot of respect for brendan frazier because of his ability to do stuff like this i mean you look at a lot of his really really bad cheesy movies dudley do right and golly I george don't know of the jungle i love george of the jungle but a lot of the other ones were really bad bedazzled. Um, bedazzled. but it is more so than many many other actors he's willing to yeah be ridiculous physical comedy commit to the character everything like that was the one he did with Joe Pesci with honors. He's a pretty talented actor, but he has made a career out of doing dumb movies and hats off to yeah. you, man. Well, it seems like he had his chance with the mummy. Like that seemed to be like his moment of, okay, I'm an action star. I can do right. this. But then it seemed like he never got any other serious action type roles from that, right. which I found interesting. It was then he went and did Monkey Bone and then, he, you know, then another mummy movie. And he's, I mean, he's even in a, one of the Looney Tunes movie sequels, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So it's like he, he has made a career of just being way out there and over the top, which, you know, I guess that's fine. And maybe he'll have his renaissance, you know, maybe he's going to have that time where people start taking him seriously yeah another 10 years or something a second renaissance maybe well uh let's go into the pitches i want to hold off and go last so jeff do you want to start us off i can do that so the most obvious thought for a name was encino man evolution but my story doesn't really follow along with that so it would need a different title But mine would take place in current day. So it was 25 years later. I would want to start with kind of like Adam mentioned with like an overview of his past. 
and it would go through all of the different Polly Shore movies to show what Link was doing, why he was making an appearance in all of these different ones, even the ones that he didn't like. I don't think Link actually appears in like Biodome and Jury Duty, but I would want to show that. So like, you know, in Jury Duty, we see Link is actually sitting there in the audience or in the gallery and in Biodome, maybe he's like on the outside trying to get in or whatever, but just kind of showing his life that has paralleled in Polly Shore movies. But then building upon that, he then becomes an actor, uh, which is known for doing ridiculous comedy roles and which is not terribly successful until he has a renaissance by starring uh, as an action hero in the very successful Wolfman movies. But then after a series of more failed films, nobody wants him to be in their movies anymore. And so he starts longing for the good old days of being a caveman. So he looks up Dave and Stoney. Stoney is still doing whatever Stoney does. Whereas Dave is separated from his wife, Robin, because she thinks he's a loser because he just not successful. And so he keeps trying to find the next get rich quick thing. So Linkovich finds Dave and Stoney and has heard of the legend of a lost caveman society somewhere in Africa. So he recruits the two of them to go travel to Africa to help him find this lost caveman society. As with many of my pitches, I don't really do comedy. So I would just say madcap adventures ensue. (laughs) And when they find a society, Link realizes that after so many years of living in the current world, he no longer fits in with cavemen anymore. He doesn't have anything in common with them. You know, he's speaking to them in English, but they don't speak. And, you know, they still do all the stuff that he did at the beginning of the first movie. So instead, he comes up with the idea of bringing a film crew and starting a new sitcom starring all of these (laughs) cavemen and himself. So he gets a new renaissance in his career that now he's the star of the hit show. Again, I need a better, Adam's always better with names, but I, I came up with Link and the Missing Links or something along those lines. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, but then he has his career renaissance to get back on top again. Going very meta, definitely grabbing from reality there. Very cool. I love how you're so formal with Linkovich. You know? <laughs> That's his name, Linkovich Chomsky. I love that name. The only thing is you left out. What happened to his girlfriend? Is she still bumping so around? Oh, Remember she shows up? Yeah, at the end of the movie. Oh, Remember his well, girlfriend thaws out. I figure we would say that she's the one then that actually is in and seen a woman. So she became a supermodel and then invented all of these things. <laughs> there you go. All oh, right, Adam. Okay. Let's see what the mad scientist cooked up this week. All right. (laughs) Mine is called Encino Man 2, Modern Problems. And as I like to do, this one actually takes place almost immediately after the events of the first film. So it's just a few months later. And Stoney and Dave obviously have graduated. And Dave and Robin are planning to attend UCSD together. So they're moving down to San Diego. So in a montage, we kind of see Link and Stoney and Dave helping him pack up his truck. And he and Robin are out of there. Sean Astin, gone. Out of this movie. Life is good. (laughs) Okay. So 
now it's after graduation stoney got his chance to be a contestant on jeopardy because he was so obsessed with it in the first film <laughs> and with his winnings stoney bought a venice beach condo that he's sharing with link and his prehistoric girlfriend who goes by the name of laura so life is just like a big beach party for them all the time they're just constantly surfing doing whatever they do so hijinks are kind of ensuing as link and stoney are acclimating laura to modern life a lot like they did with link however they're taking her to hair salons they're having her watch house of style with cindy crawford taking <laughs> wacky trips to the mall but she rejects like stoney's weasel wear fashion and it's clear that she's really acclimating to life in the 90s very quickly so stoney's success he's decided to abandon college he's like i'm not going to college i'm gonna work the tv game show circuit but then he <laughs> Hits it off with this gorgeous, intelligent, pre-med student named Claire at a Wheel of Fortune taping because they do the college week there. So he begins to kind of reconsider his life path, hoping to win her heart. But a misunderstanding caused by Stoney's dude-speak language causes Claire to assume that he's a law student interning at a prestigious firm and not wanting to make her feel stupid or mess up his chances of setting a date for the following week. He just lets her keep believing that that's true. Now, it's clear that Link really hasn't evolved much in the past few months. He mostly hangs around the house eating dog food. He's surfing. He actually made a homemade surfboard that's innovative. It's got this, like, jointed design, and he could do all these cool, like, snake weird tricks in the water. So he's kind of a local legend among the beach bums. But Laura, as she's watching Melrose Place and all these other things, she started to realize that Link is not a sophisticated modern man. So she starts getting interested in their neighbor, who's this suave guy named Rick. He drives a Porsche, he golfs, he also surfs, you know. But Rick notices Laura also, and he invites her to brunch, you know, at a country club. And Link gets all frustrated and mad. So Sony and Link are both realizing they have to get their acts together if they want to keep their women interested. So they start applying for jobs, but their lack of employment history really limits their options. So first we see them, they're getting fired from Golden Spoon Frozen yogurt because they're starting a food fight with the toppings then they get canned from hot dog on a stick for dipping strange items in the batter and frying them up and then finally they get a job cleaning toilets at the convenience store where they got busted for wheezing the juice <laughs> and it turns out that also since the events of the first film just a few months matt the bully has gotten like really depressed he's kind of just like an angry loser he works the cash register at the convenience store and he starts to make everything difficult for them especially by leaving huge dumps in the toilet and then some of which is not even human he's just adding stuff in there and so the owners of the store think it's hilarious so they don't give him any any trouble and ultimately Stody and Link get their revenge by spiking Matt's slushy with an X-Lax drop there, and it sends him running into the bathroom, but the toilet seat is sealed shut. You know, and you just hear him screaming from behind the door as they throw their mops and buckets at the feet of the owners, and they quit, you know. Now, in desperation and looking to say, well, this isn't working, finding a decent job. So they just say, we're going to have to do something to make them think we at least have our lives together. So they go to this salon and it kind of plays out like the suspense thriller scene where they get their hair cut, you know, and styled and... Then they finally say, okay, well, we looked the part. They try to go to a law firm because Stoney's trying to play the part. And so they, they get turned down, but they're able to get work as valet parkers at the high-rise office building. And as they're getting off a shift, they run into Claire one day 
and she comes in to visit her father's law firm, which is where they were uh, applying, and assumes that Stoney has been interning there. That's why he's coming out of there. So it's but instead of letting her go talk to her dad, he says, well, let's just go on a date right now. Yeah, I, I want to take you out here. So they have this great date. They're really hitting it off, and they you know, fallen in love. But the, now the rest of the film is Stoney trying to convince Claire and her dad that he's been interning at the law, ter- a law firm for months. So he's there, you know, running back and forth between the valet job and the law firm and like inserting himself in meetings and running errands, and getting coffee, whatever. And he has this knowledge of precedent setting court cases from Jeopardy and actually is able to help the firm <laughs> win a huge case so that goodwill allows everybody to overlook any holes that are in stoney's story so now he's like he's in the in the in the clear that's everyone but the neighbor rick who actually turns out to be a junior partner at that firm and is claire's ex-boyfriend so of course he's giving stoney a hard time out of jealousy and then Rick has a confrontation with Link about Laura because now Link's ticked off that Rick's been seducing her. So his temper flares and then he realizes the connection between Link and Stoney. Then he follows him home and he realizes, oh, those are the slacker neighbors that are always partying over there. <laughs> then he's back at his house and he finds a rerun of Stoney's final Jeopardy show and realizes who he really is. So then I was like, ah, I got him. Uh, he tells Claire and then break, she breaks up with Stoney. Then Rick convinces Laura to move in with him to spite Link. But then Stoney goes over to pick up a sweater he left at Claire's apartment and finds out that Rick is there also trying to get back together with her. But he's just, he, he's trying to tell her and she's just like, you're a jerk, get out of here. So he doesn't even get to tell her that, that Rick's a two-timer. So finally now Stoney and Link are moping around, they're depressed, they're going to the beach and just like whatever. But Link's board gets the attention of a local surf shop owner who's been looking to invest in something. So he says he's going to buy their design for mass production so now finally a success on their own terms the pair come up with a plan to get their girls back which is they send flowers to both laura and claire inviting them to this restaurant on the pier called poseidon's realm they also send a pair of panties to rick that's supposedly from claire like promising some major action after dinner so then of course mayhem erupts when they all show up at the restaurant the truth is revealed rick ends up getting slapped by fish you know the the women are just mad at him. And then ultimately he goes and tries to attack Stoney and Link and they flip him off the pier. And with the truth out there, the flames of romance are rekindled. The two couples are reunited. And then of course, they are, everybody's happy to love. But the end credits are from a bunch of like surf magazines showing the launch of Link's weasel board. And then it's like Forbes magazine and People magazine because now it's this huge surfing trend that's hit because now, you know, there's a new way to surf and it's a huge deal. So that's just kind of a kind of like Bill Ted's bogus journey, but that is Encino Man Two: Modern Problems. Uh oh! Wow! All right, my pitch. <laughs> I don't really have a name for it yet. Maybe the Encino Reunion. Okay. All right. So Carla and Crawl, formerly known in high school as Stony, now no longer are together, but they've reunited, kind of on again, off again over the years and are returning for Stoney's 25-year high school reunion. Rebecca and Dave are still together, but it's rocky going. As they hit town, they meet up for some grindage with Link and his cave nug, (laughs) and find the pair have been rapidly aging over the last 10 years. Scientists have been poking and prodding the pair, trying to figure out why. 
Of course, hijinks ensue at the reunion proper, but over the rest of the movie, we'd find Crawl, Stoney, however we want to call him, <laughs> he'd find a way to help Rebecca and Dave stay together. And of course, because this is way outlandish, they'd find some way to not exactly cure Link in his cave nug because they never name her. They'd figure out a way to stop the aging. And I don't know. I hadn't finalized a, a solid ending, but the, the opening premise was yeah decent. No, that, that, yeah, that's a guy. I, I could totally see that. Wait, did you say that Stony has a girl of some sort? He has a significant other. Yeah, he's got his girl from also Rebecca from son-in-law. So so you're definitely crossing the universe that we're confirming that Stoney is crawl. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It was Carla in Carla. Well, Carla Gugino, Gugino, whatever actress, but her name is Rebecca too. So they just recycle the the names. So yeah. Yeah. They would both have Rebecca's pretty funny. The the double Becca connection. Oh, and actually that should be the, (laughs) that should be the other, the other joke is that Link's, girlfriend also named herself Rebecca so they all just have Rebecca and that'll be just a running gag yeah Yeah, but I like that uh, yeah (laughs) all right all right we voting Uh, Ooh, drum roll and Jeff where do you stand oh I don't know I mean like I really like that idea of having to cure Link because that that was my one thing about Adam with yours is that it felt like Polly Shore was the main character and with Encino Man it's kind of like the Encino Man should kind of be the focal point I would think which then yeah with you Jeremy like that's good I'm just like I would need the madcapness and the modern living of Adam's oh gosh I'm gonna have to go with Jeremy's I'm gonna have to go with Jeremy's I like that concept Adam yeah, well, yeah, and I agree. Mine is, you know, in a sense, just more of the same. And you want more Polly Shore? We'll give you more Polly Shore. <laughs> I, I enjoy Jeff's premise. You know, we got we got all those meta elements of it. Plus, Link trying to connect to where he feels he belongs. Basically, he becomes Coco the gorilla, right? He's <laughs> he no longer can associate <laughs> with exactly. his own tribe. Well, yeah, so that makes sense. But I also, I mean, it's so mysterious that I think about Jeremy's premise. I'm like, really? Yeah, what could we do? with that because it's a great way to say okay it's a good excuse okay 25 year reunion everybody getting together but then now we have a problem so how do we solve that problem so i think i'm gonna actually vote for jeremy's as well hey nice well but jeremy who would you have voted for (laughs) oh no not even gonna go there Uh, all right So, how can we flesh out my pitch? Well, I feel like, I mean, definitely the concept of them, we're saying, okay, they're aging rapidly. You you were mentioning that they're going to doctors and scientists somehow. So, the question is where everybody's at leading to that point. So, you know, we said that, okay, Rebecca got together at some point. So, let's assume they actually moved and they're living near her family. He became a farmer. So I think that should be the good premise there is he actually went back, took over the farm from her dad and they've been doing that. They've, they've been, they got to be raising a crazy crop though. I'm trying to think like what, what they could grow out there, you know, cause obviously they can't do any tropical fruits, but there would have to be some strange vegetable or some wheat, you know, like some Egyptian wheat, something along those lines. But then Dave and his Rebecca, then did you say what they have been doing? I, I couldn't didn't. remember. I left detail. it kind of open okay. because, 
because it's more of focused on the relationship rather than oh what have they been up to yeah and that's what i'm saying like it's almost just like okay as a point of comedy okay so okay stoney's been a farmer and then you have what is the thing is we didn't know anything about dave's ambitions or desires except for wanting his girl back right but we did see that he was quite uh athletic almost rudy-esque in his catch of that bowl (laughs) it did seem like if i saw it correctly is that his killer pool for the party was literally just a dirt hole in the ground that he filled with water it was (laughs) where did he get all the water like he'd have had to have been filling that thing for days (laughs) but what if he's a pool like that's what he does he he tries to convince people to make like natural pools or something oh there you go okay uh, a that's pool good salesman, like that. a pool installer yeah, yeah. A pool installer but, but that's the story. problem is that pools have no like it's just dirt <laughs> well but, they've found ways to make that work now you can make them more natural but yeah i don't i don't see his there right you, know, you can call it stone age man pools or something you know he's trying to now the question i also then have is okay so linkovich you know and his gal rebecca <laughs> what have they been doing for 25 years so what where did they make their money because obviously that's again got to be another joke right it's kind of okay he stumbled into something and probably became more successful than Dave and Stody combined. So he's doing right. really well for himself. So I'm just trying to imagine what that would be. Because again, I mean, what did we see that Link was good at? He had some driving. acrobatic ability, driving. <laughs> yeah, be, NASCAR, you know, NASCAR. Or what if he's like a trick yeah. driver or something like that? But for the movies, so he's like a what set if, driver in the movies? What if he's like a taxi driver, so he always gets people there really fast, but like incredibly dangerously or something? They, they base the video game Crazy Taxi there off him go. and he's been living exactly. off the royalties. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, that's what I'm saying, though. I feel like we could almost use your movie side of things where maybe he's in like a Fast and Furious style film series and he's the main character but he does all his own driving and that's what makes him famous you know like link he does his own driving and so made him a huge box i'm sorry because i feel like that's what could allow them to have enough money to pay for all the treatments and then there could be this thing behind it where the studios and like his agent and stuff are really concerned so they're pressuring him in because they want to make more movies they want to do all this but he's getting sick he's getting older and they have to keep hiding it they're keep wanting to get plastic surgery i feel like it's an old joke now to get the hair implants that was a very 80s thing you just don't see anymore but something you know where he's like just not looking good and now his career is in jeopardy so they're trying to figure out how to help him so as far as the actual problem are we going to have a scientific explanation for it or is it going to be mystical or what what do you think it's going to be that's causing that to happen just their cells degenerating i think maybe if it's something to do with freezer burn or something like that (laughs) or something about that simple (laughs) exactly Uh, again go to a scientist he's like essentially it's freezer burn yeah the cells have been damaged for all those years of the ice right and it could be like something ridiculous i don't know his hair could be falling out or maybe it's the other way around like his facial hair grows abnormally or maybe she starts growing facial hair i don't know so they're turning into the wolf people in south america but it's like really long gray hair it's getting awkward and they have to keep shaving all the time that'd be a good running gag 
is that they're, they always have to keep shaving. <laughs> Basically, they're devolving. Maybe that's what should be happening, right? It's like they're devolving back into cave people, even though they've become so sophisticated and rich and high society at this point. I think that'd yeah. be pretty good. Yeah, that makes sense. Probably. And I would also say because they were frozen they would not be having children. So you don't have new cave <laughs> They're children running around. Because, <laughs> yeah, let's keep the kids. Let's keep, keep yeah, cave kids out It's of simpl- yeah. simplistic enough to just say, oh, they couldn't because they were frozen for so long. I like Jeff's idea of, of them going back to Africa or wherever. Obviously, they were in Encino because that's where they were frozen and woke up from. But my thought is, what if they did like a DNA test and then they found, oh, you know, your tribe eventually moved away like you were the last ones during that ice age and then the rest of your tribe moved this direction and formed this secluded culture in the amazon rainforest or something and when they go there you know they could play dual roles you know like there could be a brendan fraser who's a still kind of a, a tribes person a native then there they're able to find some sort of mystical cure that the tribe you know is, it's almost like a fountain of youth or something that they have there and that's the quest Okay, so what if we actually did for Link and his gal, Rebecca, they ended up, science found out, and they've been a living touring exhibit Okay, for like so the Smithsonian. Yeah, that way they're like the missing Link, like mm-hmm. literally, to have more of that role. And I guess the stress or whatever that that's put on them has caused them to start aging more rapidly. And once the museum found out that they were having health issues, they took them out of rotation. And so scientists have been working on them, trying to figure out why. And they've been just kind of off the radar doing their own thing. It's or, more or what if we go even further? That. Yeah, And we just have them be like celebrities where like they're on Oprah and they're on all the talk shows because they're the missing link and everything. But now they're witty and funny, like because, you know, they've been doing well, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, so they've long. been around. So, I mean, they've learned how to speak and be witty. Which is and... essentially paid for by public appearances, but also probably like science grants. So all like yeah. the different universities put them up in posh hotels and they just travel around and whatever. And so they take in culture that way. But I, I was thinking like, what if it is more sinister? Like they have one particular scientist who's kind of their handler. And what if he is someone who's always doing tests on them, but he's actually extracting bone marrow or something that he's found that is a fountain of youth style serum that he's able to <gasps> bring from them. And that's what if- taking away their could we their- could we make that like David Cross? <laughs> David Cross would be great well, as an evil. But, but here's my scientist. thought. Here's my thought. And maybe this is going too far into the Nickelodeon after school special or whatever, <laughs> or, or made for TV. So what if there is that scientist that is the one that discovers it and that the big turn at the end is that we find out that it is actually all a fake. They're not. So we don't actually have to come up with this mystical cure. It's all a fake because the scientist that's trying to do that is actually himself a thawed out caveman who wants the credit. (laughs) So he's trying to get rid of them so he can be the star. So rather than (laughs) pulling things from them, he's more or less making them sick. Exactly. He's trying to make them think that they, so that they will have to, and maybe that's even the solution is that, yeah, you have to go live, 
in the Amazon and blah, 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 because he's just trying to get rid of him so that he can ascend. <laughs> so it's like he's been kind of in hiding that from the public for so long, but now he's seen how successful they've been. So he wants in on that. Right. It's, it's stupid enough to be funny. <laughs> A secret caveman that wants his time in the spotlight. That'd be pretty good, actually. And I can see David Cross playing a caveman type. Well, he kind of already did in, I think it was year one. Wasn't he the main that, protagonist? He was like Jack Kane. Black and, and, right. It was it was Jack Black and Michael Sarah, but the main counterpart who played Kane, I believe, was David yeah, Cross. You're right. Yeah. Well, I only ever saw the poster. I was not interested in uh, checking out that film. Surprised Polly Shore wasn't in that. I know. Who knows? It was such a right. It does always make me think there was an old Phil Hartman sketch on Saturday Night Live called Caveman Lawyer, where he dressed (laughs) up like a caveman. And that was kind of the whole joke is that he spoke perfectly good English. He just looked like a caveman. And that was always his defense was, I don't understand these things. I'm just a caveman. I don't understand. And he'd win every case. So I keep wanting to incorporate a caveman lawyer somehow. Well, it's too bad Phil Hartman's no longer with us because, yeah, it would be great to have him actually play that role. Like other successful cavemen in society. Or that could even be the climax is that there's a big courtroom scene and they hire the caveman Caveman lawyer lawyer. (laughs) to defend them against David Cross. I feel like if you could do it, you could get somebody like Mike Myers would come in as a tribute to Phil Hartman and play that character or something. Like, yeah, I bet you could totally get that done. That'd be pretty hilarious. (laughs) I like it a lot. The only other thing I was trying to think of is so... You know, Stoney and Dave obviously are kind of along for the ride. So are they, they're the ones that are probably discovering this at some point, And then the evil scientist gets them captured or maybe traps them in the Amazon and then sends Link, you know, over a waterfall. Like that's, I'm, I'm trying to think about the peril that they're going to be in and then how they come back at the end to reveal the terrible truth. What if like a large portion of the movie, you got like, here's their life. And then very early on is introducing that there's this problem and the only cure is to move to the Amazon to the blah, blah, blah. And then Stoney and Dave go with them. And then as opposed to the first movie where he's learning how to live in the 90s, they're needing to learn how to live like cavemen. And that can be a there source of the comedy there. Yeah, to simplify their lives. The one thing I think does have to happen, though, is the scientist, he made up the problem, but I think he feeds them these health shakes that have like some Rogaine formula in it. <laughs> and then they start giving them to Stoney and Dave. So they start growing the hair too and turning into cavemen-like people. That's got to happen at a certain point where Polly Shore is just freaking out because he's got hairy, you know, hairy hands <laughs> or whatever, you know. Hairy face, look at my face, bro. Ah! You know, like, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, but I, lo- I love that idea of the switcheroo where now they're learning the benefits of living a simplistic caveman lifestyle. Oh, we could totally go into that whole paleo diet craze bit <laughs> because it's eat what only a caveman would eat. Exactly. <laughs> Well, and I feel like that's got to be like the little mini B and C story for Dave and Stoney. Probably Dave, again, has just got his little thing where maybe he's just not feeling like much of a man. So when he's going through this, now he's kind of becoming more macho, you know, a little bit more confident in himself because maybe his pool business is not doing so well and that kind of thing. So this is kind of a little bit of a, a growth experiment for him as well. 
and Stoney again. Stoney's just happy in life, whatever he's doing. He's like, I'm a farmer now. You know, see, he'll probably teach that <laughs> tribe how to farm some special, you know, some special concoction, some special crop that he's come up with, change their lives for the better. Weasel fruit or something. I don't know. Like he's come up with <laughs> his weasel wheat, you know, it's just like the best tasting stuff. I like where this is headed because, yeah, it gets a little bit broader scope, you know, and it makes it a little bit more fun. It was a more personal story before, and now it's kind of a little more diabolical and international. It's a pretty good way to go. I got to make it bigger. Plus, it helps us bring it to the modern day in a way that makes sense. All right. I mean, is there anything we need to add here? I don't know if there's any uh, particular comedy directors that we feel could give it a new flavor. Like, I was thinking the guy, I do not know his name. Jeremy, you probably know better than I do. The guy who's directing Thor Ragnarok. I think he works with like, the flight of the Yeah, Taiko Waititi. I bet he could give it some quirky element you know and where we're adding again maybe some more action adventure style pieces to it you know he could put that in too because i was i've just started watching what is it what we do in the shadows or whatever this mockumentary oh, yeah. about vampires the vampires you know? yeah i feel like he's got a good attitude not that it would be a mockumentary but i he could definitely update it for a modern audience the one thing though talking about casting is that there was the guest appearance by the infectious grooves in the first movie do they get a cameo are they the <laughs> are they even still around i don't know who they was, are well from what i understood they're actually like a super group so i think they just formed briefly like they were guys from other bands that came together and like did that song they may have done like a full album but they weren't necessarily like an original band interesting so i don't know if they're a continue you know a continuing touring well, it said they band. reunited in 2013 oh yeah well it looks like somebody died Purpose. or whatever <laughs> it was a, i don't a know concert who knows but it looks like the infectious grooves with my monkey right. or whatever it's called <laughs> well i guess because it was half of them what is it two of them were from suicidal tendencies mm -hmm. and then the drummer from jane's addiction and it says to date the project released four albums between oh. 91 and 2000 so they huh. must just get together yeah. every couple of years and put something to tape i guess so yeah but i guess i mean they, they could probably be playing at one of the exhibits or something like there's like a big party you know going on where link and rebecca are the people of interest there you know the life of the party and then the infectious grooves are there you know because it's Link's favorite music from his high school days. Like, <laughs> around. He's listened like, oh. to nothing else in the last 25 years. Exactly. Just yeah. the monkey. <laughs> right. Well, that could be that could be the uh, closing credits. Could be everyone dancing to the monkey. Yeah, I would see it as maybe that's a cut scene from the reunion. Is they're playing it and everybody gets out on the floor during the credits. <laughs> I just, I love that it's such a failure of a dance, but we're going to hit it again because you loved it so oh, much the first time. We're going to bring it back. I keep thinking, if you guys, what was uh, Rocky Balboa uh, during the credits of the movie Rocky Balboa? They showed real life people in Philadelphia up running the up the stairs. Yeah. So it'd be like the same thing. Like, let's hit the streets and let's talk to people about, <laughs> hey man, let's do the monkey. And they're. <laughs> Do the what? And either, I don't, well, if Psycho Waititi, they'd probably do it like a joke where they're like, I have never heard of this dance. I don't know anything about it. But the other one would be like, oh, everybody knows this dance. And so yeah. everyone's doing it and everything. You're on the streets of New York City and everywhere. Well, yeah, and I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah, you get like, there's one big name celebrity who actually is great at it. George you know, like that was, George well, that's my groove. 
<laughs> always George Clooney. He's, he's always good for a laugh. It's yeah. true. See, we got it planned through the credits. This is a complete film. That's exactly done. what this it's is. Done. Take it to the bank. Well, and hey, if you got 33 days, that's all it took them to film the original. So you could <laughs> you can pump this thing out next month, man. Come on now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shoot. If they offered me the same budget, I could do it. I mean, $7 million to make that movie. Oh, dude. And it pulled in $40 million, I know. So, hey, not bad. That, isn't that a better ratio than... Ghost that's of a the better show? ratio than Avatar, isn't it? Well... Well, because Avatar sh- spent $250 million to make a billion. Right. So that's only four times their investment. Huh? Plus, this sequel would be coming out before Avatar 2, so we'd even beat their record yeah, there. True. We actually <laughs> got so, a sequel out. Imagine yeah. if they would have spent $250 million on Encino Man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they'd own the world. Oh, uh, I mean, if they would have they would have traveled back in time and set it all in the prehistoric exactly. era. That's all I can imagine. You know, I'm surprised none of us did that. None of us did a prequel for Link. What was his it's life like before? Well, there really wasn't there. much there. But if there was a blank canvas, so we could have done anything. He could have lived with we the Flintstones. He could have got John Goodman back. He could have got Rick Moranis oh, playing Barney. Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, Rosie. We could recast that finally. <laughs> Make things right with the world. <laughs> oh, poor Rosie. Well, there it is, my friends. Encino Man 2. Oh, we never came up with the title, though. We didn't. <laughs> but what could it... I mean... Uh, you know, maybe maybe Encino Evolution, like Jeff was saying. Or what about mm-hmm. De-Evolution? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Something along those lines, you know? Yeah, Back to the Stone Ages, too. Yeah, that's been done. done. Back to basics. Yeah, back to that. This. Yeah, Encino Man 2, or, De-Evolution. Well, wait a minute. Or, but even that, I mean, because we said that all three of them are going to start doing it. What if it's Encino Men? So we could finally do that? Yeah, Encino Men then yeah. works. Okay. And, and so then, the poster then, is all three of them with the, the, the hairy faces and dragon <laughs> I don't know, can Polly Shore even grow facial oh, hair? That would be so, I mean, 20, what has it been, 25 years? 25 yeah. years later to see the three of those actors, with that would, oh, I'd see it. I'd see it now. Just that poster yeah. alone. <laughs> well, and, and each of them, you know, like the classic knuckle dragger, then slightly yeah, better exactly. posture. So they'd each be in a line. It'd kind of be like that Genesis yeah, uh, yeah. color. Yeah, their album. yeah. Or even I could see one with the hairy faces and they do the, well, usually they have monkeys do the hear no evil, see no evil thing. Yeah. I mean, the good news is all of those guys have got to be up for it too, because, you know, they're, they're all kind of looking for something. I mean, probably sure. I've, when I pulled up in Sino man two, there were two things that came up. One was a mad TV sketch that was done back in the nineties where they dug up Artie Lang and he is actually pretending to be Joe Pesci from the movie casino. And it's so that, but they do the movie as if that was the premise. So it's called casino man. The other one was that, that Polly Shore, they keep saying Polly Shore says he's up for it. Well, of course he is. Uh, but Sean Astin too, you know, it's like, okay, he had his run with Lord of the Rings, you know, but that's come and gone. And so I feel like he's ready again. Brendan Fraser, we talked about, you know, he's got to find a way to get back into the swing of things. Not that he's not working, but bring it back to his starring role, his breakout role. There he is. You know? <laughs> we did talk about how Michael DeLuise would fit into all of this, but, you know, quick cameo at the reunion, of course. Sure. Yeah. Have him run in the local bar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And not the Latin bar that they went to. The Latin bar that lets 18-year-olds in, you know. Eh, no big and deal. And drink. And drink at like 
three thirty in the afternoon. In the afternoon, <laughs> it was a party in there. <laughs> Stony is a crusty bottle. I, I don't oh. know. That was that was a weird little. You know, oh, dead <laughs> whole scene was very <laughs> weird. Well, see, we never thought we'd be excited about it in Cedar Man Two, and, and I think we've done it. I think we brought it around to <laughs> to a viable project that people will get behind. It's, it's not long now until one of our ideas actually gets picked up by Hollywood. Whether or not we have the money to pursue anything uh, legal against them, get our names at least a story by, <laughs> based on a podcast by Jeff, Jeremy, and Adam. So until next time, keep wheezing the Cheers, buddy. Which, by the way, that weasel noise is the grossest thing I have ever heard. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I know how he does it, and I don't want to know. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. Tunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. 